offering like we do normally at the end, which just um, goes towards all we do here. So um, just to have that in the back of your minds as well. And um, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Whew. I'm sorry I'm a bit out of breath. I keep jumping. Cool. Is everyone okay? Yeah, good. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians 3 this evening. Brilliant. I'm going to dive straight in, so just catch up with me in the can. It says this, Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Shall we just pray? Why don't you, if you feel comfortable, just raise your hands again. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. We so love singing to you, Father. We so love glorifying you, Jesus. And we ask, would you just now come and blow on these words that you've put in my heart? Jesus, we want you to be lifted high in our hearts more and more. Take us deeper in your gospel. Take us deeper into the Father, we ask. Come and do stuff tonight in this place that only you can do, Lord. We ask that in your name. Amen. Jesus is coming back one day. Risen victorious, King of kings, Lord of lords. He's coming back in all his glory, splendor, power, beauty, shining brighter than the sun, riding with the armies of heaven. And you know what? Every eye will see him. Every knee will have to bow down. And we will see him in that moment. You will see Jesus in that moment. And you know what? Nothing else will matter. All earthly things will fade away. And those of us who know him, who proclaim Jesus is my Lord, we'll be caught up in the air with him. Like this verse says, when Christ who is our life appears, then we will appear with him in glory. And do you know what? There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And we will be in perfect intimacy with our Father God again, like he's always intended. Isn't that incredible? I know I've just dived straight in there, but hey, that's all right. Um, do you know what? If you missed this morning, um, which I'm sure many of you did because you're six o'clock church, woo, um, John preached an absolutely stonking message about Jesus. And I would recommend that you read it. I know I've only just skimmed through a little bit now, but please da- get the download and listen to it because oh man, my heart was undone and just pounding as he was speaking again. So I do encourage you to listen to that. So we're in the middle of our hunger season. And uh, you might be aware or not that as a leadership team, we really felt kind of a rough theme would be up, in and out for this hunger season. Up meaning how we just hunger and thirst after him, after God. How we, um, as we do that, our identity has to change as we look to who he is. He wants to speak to us. And um, we had a great time with Angela, didn't we? And other moments where God's just spoken to us about our identity, which has been great. And then the out, we can't just be so bursting with up and in that we, we, it has to be unleashed somehow, right? It has to, um, there has to be an outlet for how we love others and how we go again with mission. 
So all I really want to do tonight, just literally in the next 10 minutes, is talk about the journey God's taken me on with this whole up, in and out thing. Um, so we're just going to look at that up, in and out, and how God is challenging me and provoking me um, in this area. How that as I look at my view and certain hope of the gospel and eternity with God, and how that changes how I live now, and how I need to be radical with ridden sin and pursuing Christ, and then how I love others and how I make disciples. So that's where we're going to kind of go, and then to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen, we'll just see, I know that God wants to do so much in us. So first of all, up, let's live thinking about God. I love this verse in Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Like John just so helpfully reminded us, we have been saved. If you put your faith in Jesus, you've been able to run to him through the work of the cross. And now we get the privilege of being able to think about God, think about who he is, think about the fact that we're now seated in Christ. We've been raised with him. And actually, I just had an, a, a quite a, a profound time of worship, really. You know, sometimes it can be hard day to day and you just press in. But one time, about a month ago, um, I was just in my living room. Um, Ezra was actually sleeping for once, which is good. Um, and I just felt to bow my knees. And then I saw God just show me this picture of a huge house. And there at the door was Jesus standing there, arms wide open, shape of a cross, just saying, come, come in. And I felt almost freshly reminded of the gospel again, freshly invited in. And do you know what provoked me is that actually the fact that I didn't just need to stand at the doorway, but actually Jesus invited me in. And then it was incredible. I can't quite describe it really, but as I walked into the house, it was like I was invited into the home of the Trinity. And actually I could hear the father saying, oh, Joe, look at my son. Look at my son. Isn't he glorious? Isn't he wonderful? And then I could almost hear like Jesus saying, Joe, come look, look at the Holy Spirit. Look at him. Isn't he wonderful? Doesn't he equip you? Isn't he incredible? And then the Holy Spirit shouting back to the Father, oh, would you look at the Father? And for me, again, I know it's so obvious, but I just felt reminded, this is what I'm drawn into. This is what we're saved for, right? We're saved for that, that time where we can have that intimacy with God. And this is just a glimmer and a snapshot of what's to come in eternity. It's so good. But you know what? This is all wonderful. But there's some days where I'm just caught up in life, the busyness of life, feeding a toddler, cucumber. And um, actually, <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on, right? And I'm so aware of that. And so is God. He's so gracious. And there's just times where I need to reset, I guess that's the word, and just come back to a place. It might be a period of a few weeks where I just think, God, I haven't really involved you in my life. Or even just days where I think, I haven't thought about you, Jesus, the whole of today. And it's just times where we can have an amazing worship time in our bedrooms or our living rooms. But for some of us, it might just be as we're walking to work or as we're driving, even on the train just with our iPod in or shopping around the food shop, just thinking, actually, I need to stop right where I am and just set my thoughts again onto things above. I need to set my mind on Christ. And this is a bit quirky, but I just wanted to show you kind of what I might do. And for each of you, you'll have your own words and your own relationship with God. But... Um, I just want to pretend that none of you are here right now. And this is what I do when I kind of reset my mind. So, yeah, I just thank you, Father. I'm so sorry that I haven't thought about you today. And right now, even as I'm doing the food shop, I just choose to walk around and I want to think about you in my head, not in a weird way and shout it out loud, but just in a really real way, God, I want to choose to think about you. I thank you for who you are. 
I thank you, God, that you are creator, that you are sustainer. You sustain my every breath. I thank you for all this food around me, Lord. I thank you for all your creation, the colors, the smells. It's incredible. I thank you that you flung stars into space, yet you care about me and you created me. I thank you that your heart was broken enough by sin, that you had a plan all the way along, all through history. God, I thank you that you sent your son. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you were obedient. I thank you that you came. God became flesh. I thank you for your life, Jesus. I thank you for your death. I thank you that you rose again. I thank you that you are now seated on your throne, Jesus. And I thank you that you are coming back one day to judge the living and the dead. I thank you that you are saviour, you are king. You're my love, you're my champion. Thank you that you knew what it was to be tempted in every way, but you resisted. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me right now. And even as I'm doing my food shop, I need your filling right now, Holy Spirit. I need you in my life. I ask, would you come and be my friend again? Walk with me closely. Come and empower my life. Come and speak to me. Come and reveal to me, even as I'm walking around Little Zord. Come and show me. Lord, come and show me who I can bless. As I'm thinking about you, Lord, I want to see treasure in people. God, come and show me in your precious name. So, I know it's a bit out there, but it's just my way where, and I'm not a professional at this at all, it's me just kind of confessing to you guys, some days I honestly don't think about God, and I hate it, and I have to just reset my mind and think, I need to think about this. And do you know what, as I do that, as I just choose one minute to just think, Jesus, who are you? Who are you? It changes everything. I don't know if any of you guys have done that, just that moment where you stop and you think, Jesus, I want, I'm inviting you into this situation. It honestly changes everything. Maybe not the circumstances, but it changes my perspective. Man, does it change my perspective. So, this is the invitation we all have to come to God, to think like this, to hunger after him, to choose to set our minds on things above. So that's brilliant, but how do we do this? How does it affect us inwardly? So actually, I'd encourage you to keep looking at the rest of that Colossians passage, if you can, throughout this week. Um, It's so practical. And I felt really convicted as I read it. And it's great that we can look up, but actually straight um, after that, um, we're told to there, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then it lists all these things, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness. And then it goes on to say, so put on as God's chosen and loved ones. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience. It's just so practical. I love how practical this book is. And actually, we can have this most holy moment, but if it doesn't then affect how we live, if it doesn't then change things in our heart, then, then maybe we haven't quite seen something. And actually, when the seed of the gospel comes into our heart, that moment that John describes when we chose to run to the Father and say, God, I give you my sin, I give you my mess, thank you for Jesus, I choose to put my faith in you. As we truly do that, the seed of the gospel is planted in our hearts, the immovable unshakable seed of the gospel that brings us to life and actually it's a seed and as we start thinking about that the seed has to grow we've all heard the analogy like an apple tree bears apples as Christ followers with the seed of the gospel in us we bear Christ's fruit and sometimes like me it's going to be a slow process but actually more and more day by day as we pursue Christ stuff's going to change in our hearts and I just encourage us as well, I was listening um, to something a while back, and just said we shouldn't need to be persuaded to love God. 
We shouldn't need to be persuaded to read our Bibles, to worship. And I know sometimes it's hard and we need that self-discipline. But actually, there's this deep down desire and want that, oh God, you have turned my heart around. You have taken me from darkness to light. And there's this something in us through the dry seasons, through the great seasons, that is just like, I I need to know you, God. I need to know more of you. I want to get to the prayer meeting because I want to be with people who will spur me on to prayer. I want to read your word, Lord, even though I'm dyslexic and I find it hard to read. I want to know you. I want to know what you have to say. And there's also, on the flip side, as the gospel seed is planted, there's things that we start to just think, that's not right in my life. And I know for me, I mess up all the time, just ask Janair, even about today. Um, But actually, there's a, a hatred of sin. When the gospel seed comes in, there's this, oh, even though I sin, I know it's not right. I know that I've offended God. There's a fidget. Uh, when I get angry, there's a fidget, a niggling from the Holy Spirit. that I just need to come and repent, knowing that Jesus has forgiven me and that I'm righteous before him. And there's that niggling inside of us as God starts to affect our life. Francis Chan, in his book Crazy Love, says this, quite profoundly: Lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They only want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. Ooh, I'll just read that again. Lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They only want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. And I know my life, I hate to admit it, but there's been times in the past where that's been so true. I'm so grateful for the cross and that I'm not going to go to hell because I know Jesus. But actually, I've been dabbling in habitual sin and gossip, whatever it might be. And I'm just messing around with sin. And that is not what Jesus died for. And actually, as we understand the cost of the cross, what Jesus paid for to take away our sins. As we actually look up and see not only the resurrected Jesus, but actually sometimes it's appropriate to look and remember Jesus on the cross and think, Jesus, you did that for me. You took all my shame, all my sin, all my mess ups, and it's on the cross you dealt with it. When we have a deeper understanding of that, sin just is a bit, oh, why would we want to mess around with that? There's something deep in us that just thinks, nah. You know, the Bible says we're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. No, we got a bit deep. It's all good. So out. Okay. What does it look like now? Um, so we, we worship God. We've seen him. We're pursuing him. And it's affecting us inwardly. And by the way, um, my friend Andrew was so helpful um, to us this week. He was saying this is like a triangle, up, in, and out. It's not that you have this order of, right, first we'll do up, then we'll do in, now we're doing out. It's a constant cycle of let's look up. Let's see what God's doing in me. How can I push that out? Let's look up, you know. And um, so while we wait for this day before Jesus comes back, how does this outwork? Well, I felt really challenged. Um, I was thinking, God, what is my life about while I'm waiting? What do you want me to do? And I think the Bible is just so clear on this. We're told to love God and love one another. And then I was just drawn to the Great Commission that Jesus left one of his final words before he went to glory. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then that beautiful promise, and I will be with you always till the end of the age. So I just think for my life, and I hope, um, what I know for many of you who are walking way ahead of me, that this is kind of the declaration over your life. That for now, while I still have breath in my lungs, 
on this planet, I want to live my life loving God, loving others, and making as many disciples as I can while I have breath in my lungs on this earth. And as we look up and allow God to work in us, let's live it out. Let's share that with others. And I just felt God highlight a few um, types of situations that some of us might be in that we can do this in. So um, God just absolutely broke my heart again for um, those of us who are married and those of us who are single. And actually, as we started to take some of these blessings that God has gave us and think, how can I change my perspective? Because I'm so looking at you, Jesus, and waiting for that day. How does that now affect how I can make disciples of the people around me? Because I think, I don't know about you, but so often I think, oh, I've got to go make disciples. Okay, where are you? And actually, sometimes God's like, they're right next to you. And for me, like, I want the story of my marriage to Janair to be like, I want to do everything in my power as someone loving Jesus and as, my, as a wife to make sure that when Janair stands before Jesus on that day, he is the most ready and prepared and loving Jesus that he can be. Um, and I know that's his responsibility, but as a wife, I can input into him in so many ways. Um, and I know I don't do that all the time, but there's this want and desire to think, God, I want to make a disciple of Janair. And even um, for some of us, how we raise our kids, we think, these are our children. How can I raise disciples? And again, Francis Chan, just a bit of a provoking quote. He said this, for too many years in the church, the goal has been to have a happy family, a happy Christian family that doesn't swear. Look at them. What a great family. They love each other and they don't swear. And I think, this is what he says, and I think, is that what I see in the Bible? Is that what we've reduced this to? And I was like, whew. Um, and I just think, man, I want, when I'm leading the youth, when I'm praying for teenagers in our town, when I'm raising my little boy, I want to think, how can I most make these people ready for that moment where they're going to see Jesus face to face? How can I most make my friends that don't even know Jesus yet ready and, and praying and saying, God, save them, make disciples of them? How can I most make, even for some of us in our singleness, how can I most pursue God so that on that day I'm going to be the most ready? And oh, I actually just feel like God really broke my heart for this a while ago. There's something so powerful about singleness. And I know it's rich coming from me as someone that's only been married a couple of years, but for the chunk of time I was single, actually just pursuing Christ. There's something incredible about the waiting for that moment for Jesus. Yeah, I'll just leave that there. But I just want to say, God bless single people. Thank you for them. Thank you so much for them. I thank you for that incredible personal story that they're going to have that's not like anyone else who's married, where they'll be able to say, Jesus, I waited for you like you waited for me. Thank you, God. And I think even as well, like friends, work colleagues, who can we make disciples of? Who can we so get that view of Jesus and think, oh, I want them to have that. I want them to have that. It's so good. We're wrapping in. Guys, do you want to come up from the band? Is that all right? Okay, so. Oh, do we want to live for that day? Oh, do we want to live for that day? So we live with our hearts set on things above, where Christ is seated, but with our feet on this earth for now, walking on this earth, loving him and loving others for Jesus' glory. And so 
I actually just want to bring this whole thing back to Jesus again. We're going to go back into a time of worship. And I just love that as we see him and encounter the Father through the Holy Spirit, these things actually that we talked about, the outworking, they just become more and more natural as we step in line with the Spirit. Actually, we start to think, oh, I didn't realize that had happened for the last year in my life. I didn't realize that anger wasn't as a big issue anymore. And sometimes we need to be deliberate, but sometimes actually as we're just walking in step with the Spirit, these things just happen as a natural overflow. Guys, the more we seek him, the more we seep him out. Can we just stand together? I just um, felt to read this spoken word. And um, so the band are going to play, hopefully, something. And um, just maybe get in a place where you just want to receive these words over you. It's quite wordy, so I'll try and read it slow. And I'm sorry if I cry, but I haven't been able to get through this without crying yet. (laughs) God, would you just come and speak to us through this? We do say we want our lives to be solely about you. We want to jump in and say, God, count me in in the army. I want to be an army of disciple-making Jesus lovers. (laughs) Count me in, God. Count me in. My heart cries out and my tongue must confess for this spirit within me demands no less that every faculty and fiber conspire together to raise him higher. The one in whom I have my being, this frail and feeble ball of earth dust, but filled with good breath, that my breath might be to him my heart might beat to him, my life complete in, to, and through him. And oh, for the breath to press, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, the greatness, ineffable to feeble man's limited language and logic, could even the highest of ideas or artistry of this finite man suffice, or even hope to approach his majesty? No, yet. Even a dim mirror held right can catch the light that falls from the sun and be blindingly bright. And my insufficiency accepting, he accepts my weak attempts to convey and display him because I am covered by the excellence of him who I'm hid within. And so though undeserved, he receives these words as the sweet incense of a babbling infant rambling intently into the eyes of his adopted, besotted father. And still I pray that the awesome character and nature of God may be in some way exposed through these painfully limited prose for the beautification of his bride. So let's polish up our mirrors. All you hearers, encouragers and preachers, it's a priesthood of all believers singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to this awesome maker, this galaxy orchestrator, the one who holds the stars without spatial or philosophical boundaries. He hands down, astounds me, yet defining humility. He came down and he found me with a love infinitely abounding, that love that drove him to composing, conducting, performing all parts of this great symphony of salvation. 
and expanding performance going out to all nations, and it is beautiful. A wonderful story, a beautiful sound that shakes the ground as it loudly resounds. An eternal cause for deafening applause, and it is beautiful. You poor are made rich, you weak are made strong. As we gather together to join in the song, there's rest for the burden and joy for the weary. The Spirit poured out that we might know him more nearly. So let's loosen our tongues and bring praise to the throne, to the one seated in glory, yet who we can know. May our hearts cry out and our tongues confess, for this Spirit within us demands no less.